even when it feels like I'm surrounded You'd never leave my side oh, Nobody loves me like you love me Jesus, I stand in say amen to that tonight praise the Lord thank you Lord Jesus well maybe we can look at it just a little bit more of how much he loves us St. John chapter 4 verse 16 Jesus saith unto her go call thy husband and come hither The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In thou saidst thou truly. How in the world can God ever relate to a woman like this? How could Almighty God, the purity of and existence of heaven ever relate to an individual like this woman here. Turned out on the street as a young, young girl, not loved by her parents, resorting to this type of life. How could Almighty God, pure, holy, righteous, and true, ever even feel anything for this type of an individual? The woman says unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now let's move to what he really wants to bring her to in verse 23. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers, which is what I hope and trust by the grace of God we all desire to be. I don't want to just be a worshiper of God. I want to be a true one. The true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is Numa. God is spirit. And they that worship Him must, not possibly, perhaps, He'll consider it, but they must worship Him in spirit, Numa, and in truth, Logos slash Rhema. 
So they must have two directions merged together that will help them to be able to offer receivable worship. Now, Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 7, how bid in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. So people can actually worship God, give God adoration, and they can actually be sincere, and God refuse it because they don't come through spirit and truth. Wouldn't that be an awful waste of time? You realize until 1961, Pontius Pilate was considered to be a fictitious character of the New Testament. There was no Roman records that he ever lived. There was no Greek records, no Macedonian records, no records at all. So the agnostics, infidels, and unbelievers used this as another one of their tricks to try to prove that the Bible was not true. So people spent all of their life, now imagine archaeologists and all these people, spent years and years and years of their life using Pontius Pilate as an example that, to prove that the Bible was not true. Until 1961, when 1961, there was some people in Caesarea digging around a bunch of rocks in a Colosseum, which we stood at not too long ago. And they were digging around and digging around, and they found this ancient amphitheater, and they got to moving rocks and moving rocks, and all of a sudden, here was a rock laying face down, and they turned it up and inscribed on top of this rock was the name Pontius Pilate. So those people who spent all their life using him for an example, guess what? They wasted their entire life. People that have left this message and trying to, you know, well, we didn't find nothing in the Courier Journal to prove that the bridge was so-and-so. We didn't find nothing about this, and oh, we can't find no proof. One day, somebody will flip over a rock, and the same will be said. So let's just journey on toward the rapture. Let this word change our lives. Let the agnostics, the infidels, the intellectuals, let them argue, fuss, and debate, and fight, and we'll be enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb while they perish in their own gainsaying. Amen. We're going to pray together tonight. Before we do, um, Brother Lonnie Richard Dishman, he's the son of Brother Luther Dishman, the pastor of the church down in Kentucky where um, we were at years and years ago. Brother Lonnie's been fighting cancer for for quite some time now and uh, got some really bad reports and been having some real real struggles in his body and they wanted us to pray together that God would be merciful to our brother they've sent him to Vanderbilt and just a couple of things it's uh, just not really good reports so anybody else have needs requests you'd like to make known to the Lord tonight let's pray together Heavenly Fathers, we approach the throne of mercy and grace tonight. We so thank you for the opportunity that we could. Lord Jesus, as we have read your words that you spoke to the woman at the well so many, many years ago, and we embrace this tonight because we are the fulfillment of, of what you said that day. 
it started there with her and it, it began right there and it kept on going down through the ages and we are the embodiment of the last age of that fulfillment. And we thank you for that, Lord, that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you that we can bring our petitions, our needs, our requests before you. Lord Jesus, we know that there's many uh, in our own assembly that's got different sicknesses, viruses, things that are going around, and we pray for your mercy for them. But Father, we want to call Brother Lonnie Richard's name to you tonight, God. You see the things our brothers went through, and Lord, he's had good times, and he's had some bad times, and we just pray tonight in the name of Jesus that you'd move for him. Lord God, you see what they've told him at Vanderbilt and Lord, uh, other trips that he may have to make this week. May the Spirit of God move for our brother. We believe, Lord, that we're brought on the earth to serve your purpose and Satan cannot take us until that purpose is done. I pray that you'd help our brother, Father. <clears throat> Once again, as we um, approach you through the channel of prayer, and we ask that you would help us to break into a, an understanding, a realm of supernatural God tonight, that you would take your word once again and speak to us. We've just been feeding on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. And we believe that we're being privileged and allowed by you to walk into a sphere of your Godhead. And we're so thankful to be partakers of it, not only in our souls, but in our understanding. Once again, as we <clears throat> desire tonight to look into your being, I pray that you would help us. Would you take your word, Father, anoint us, speak to us, make yourself manifest, we ask. We've not come to see one another. We've not come to hear from one another. We're hungry to hear from you tonight, Jesus. Speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you. May be seated. How many loves him with all your heart? Amen. Amen. Job chapter nine, verse thirty-two. God has left Job in this terrible time of darkness. God isn't answering him. He isn't feeling God. He isn't seeing God. He isn't understanding God. So Job is pouring out his heart. And sometimes the human heart under distress says some truthful things. But sometimes it says some vain things. It says some hurtful things to one another, about one another, and sometimes to and about God. And Job is speaking a mixture of these things and this uh, setting of Job. And this particular time, Job, it's before the distress gets so horribly bad, but it has already reached a place of desperation. And Job knows that he needs help and he needs somebody that would be able to understand him. But he knows that God is so pure and God is so righteous and he himself, he believes he's followed God in the state of righteousness as, follow, as, as far as he understands. But it's like he cannot break through. He just simply cannot touch the supernatural. 
And he's wondering in his mind, is there a way? Is there a channel? Is there a link by which supernatural divine can be able to bridge across to the human? One that could think deity thoughts and human thoughts interchangeably. Is there one who could spread the gap and be both? Oh my. So he says, Job 9.32, he is not a man, referring to God now, he is not a man as I am that I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. Job said, I'd like to. I'd like to present my calls to God, but I can sit down in a chair, but God can't. I can sit down and pour out my complaint, but I'm afraid if I do, he'll get mad at me. Because he's holy, he's righteous, he's pure. I've got boils on my body. He don't have. I've got misunderstandings, misgivings. He has none. I have questions. I have fears. I have doubts. All he has is faith. So how can I sit down across the table from one like this and pour out my complaint without being judged, without being reprimanded? I love this next verse. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us. Now, he says, I know, I understand that I can't talk to God directly and relate and pour out my calls to God. So he said, I understand that. There's, there's no way that I can go to him directly. But he said, neither is there an arbitrator, a mediator, one who can call, amen, who can call a meeting between me and God and be able to understand us both. Another man would understand my cause and if there was another aspect of deity, deity would understand his cause. And his complaint against me. But how can there be one that would understand both? Neither is there any daysman. Now this is a very peculiar, strange word. It's a very old English word. And it means an umpire or an arbitrator or a go-between. So Job knows that he's in a real dilemma. Now to me, you know, Job is answering, he's, he's, he's responding to the very call of that which has been since the fall in the Garden of Eden. In the initiation of the fall of man, it was the Almighty Himself who condescended in a veiled form in the wind who came down and was the daysman 
between the fullness of his attribute and Adam and Eve. Whether or not you understand it, it was Christ in figurative form. But it was one, and the word, this word comes from Daysman. It's a word that goes back to the 14th century. And it was one that would actually set a day, a Daysman, D-A-Y-Daysman, one who would set a day by which, say, Brother Terry and Brother Keith were having an argument. And they, they, they just could not work it out. They tried. They tried to meet and they tried to delegate, you know, and, and state their differences. And, you know, Brother Terry, go back, Brother, Brother Keith, why can't you sit? Or Brother Terry, you're just, you're so hard-headed. I'm not hard-headed. You're the hard-headed one. You're so stubborn. And if you wasn't so stubborn and hard-headed, and they just finally realized we're getting nowhere. So they both find a man that they have confidence in. And of course, Brother Terry being a human, he wants to get to the daysman first. But he found out Brother Keith already beat him to the daysman. Because that's the way most humans are. Don't sit there and look at me like you all ain't humans now. Now we think the relevance is whoever tells their story first is the one that's going to be the most believed. Not if you've got a true mediator. A true mediator can hear the first, the middle, or the 137th person and he'll try to relegate and be able to delegate between all parties and gather all the truths that he can. And make an impartial judgment based upon the best of the facts. Well, praise the Lord. So your Job is in a dilemma because he knows, well, if it was me having an argument between another man, Elihu or another individual, but your God, of course, eventually sends Elihu, which is the representation of Christ down. But this is prior to the understanding of what God is fixing to do. So Job said, there's no daysman that could go betwixt me and God that would be able to understand us both. The Angels would side with God, sinners would side with me. So every other mortal, no doubt, would come here with me. And they said, well, God, that's true. How can you uh, expect us to ever meet your standard? And the angels would side with God and say, well, you, you, you sorry sinners. You, why would you accuse God? He's the holy, righteous, pure one. And how in the world would you all ever? And, and Job said, I'm going to fix I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Is there no daysman that can actually say? And my example, all right, Brother Terry, all right, Brother Keith, now look, brothers, you know, this is, this has gone far enough. It's gone too far, really, between you brothers. Let's sit down. Let's sit down at a table somewhere, and let us just sit down and talk. If you need to, write down your differences and your discrepancies and difference of opinions, and let's see if we can sit down and talk. And see if we can do it. All right, Brother Terry, what day will work for you? Well, I can't do it tomorrow. And Brother Keith, no, I can't do it tomorrow either. Well, what about Friday? So what's the man going to do? He's going to try to work out a day by which the offender and the offended can come together and be able to work with the daysman or the mediator and be able to work out this difference between them. 
So here we have the picture then where we have the eternal, which is all holy, all pure, all righteous, no unrighteousness about him. And then we have every other mortal stepped across the chasm of time, born after the fall of man, and absolutely every one of them that breaks the womb is born in a lost, unregenerate state. So how can there ever be one who would bridge the gap that would be able to be both at the same time? Now if he was born a mortal of the same way all the rest of mortals are born, then he would not be able to think pure divine thoughts by innate nature. He would be corrupt, so he would be conceived in sin. He would be born in iniquity like all the rest of humanity. But if it was God only in the form that he appeared as, say, in the example of Melchizedek, then neither could he relate rightly and justly and experientially in the same way that other mortals because he would think only divine thoughts, pure thoughts, holy thoughts, righteous thoughts. So there's actually no creature or no creation that God had ever made up to that time that would be able to cross this chasm and actually be both and be able to spread himself as it were on both sides and by experience say, I see both sides because I am both sides. Oh, glory to God. No prophet could ever do it. Angels couldn't do it. So God had to make a special creation. Now, it would must be God, but it must be man. But it cannot be all God and it cannot be all man. Amen. So it must be a God man. Now it cannot be, as I said this past weekend, it cannot be a God God, which is the way the Trinitarians make the Godhead, so they make it God the Father and God the Son, which is heathenism. Neither can it be, as many of the Christian churches will believe today, that Jesus was just uh, merely uh, born of Joseph and Mary and called the Son of God. Well, then you've got a man-man. But God was the only one that could make a God-man. Amen. Adam could not make one. Angels could not make one. No other man could ever make one. It was a special creation by the creator himself. So he would be a God man, which means he would be attached on the side of the divine. And then he would also be a man, which means he would be attached on the side of the human. He could think God thoughts, talk God talk, speak God words, raise himself from the dead, exist before he existed as a mortal, and then go back to that existence after he left his mortality. He could do that because he was 100% God, but he could stand on this side and be 100% man and be tempted and cry and get weary and get down and die, praise the Lord, and become our sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him because he was a God man. So he could think, God thoughts, Lord have mercy children, I wish you'd help me preach tonight. Do you understand that there was only one like that in the beginning? But God used this one to be the head of the new race. Hey! 
Praise be to God. There was only one in the beginning. But there ain't but just one tonight. There's a whole race of them. Amen. Amen. Notice this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now once we are reconciled, then by the grace of God, every God called man has a ministry of reconciliation. So it's not our place then when people get down to push them down further. It it is our place to help reconcile them back to God. Is that right? I'll tell you one thing. I nearly blowed a head gasket the other day when I looked up this word reconcile. I want you to listen what it means. To change or exchange as coins for others of equivalent value. So it's not like that God to make the God man, which was worth, oh my, just an insurmountable amount. And then God took that, that, that redemption money of the Lord Jesus and traded it out for a bunch of counterfeit pennies. Now that's as low as you can go on our monetary system, is it not? Pennies are, well, they're pretty much worthless. You know that already. They are worthless. They cost more to circulate than they are worth. So God did not take all this gold bullion of heaven and this deity of heaven and exchange it for a bunch of worthless pennies or a bunch of worthless Roman drachma, which would be totally worthless in the day we live in to exchange it at Walmart. But what God did was he took this coin of heaven and made an exact change equivalency to those that were on the earth hid in human bodies. Oh, praise God. What was it? The redemption money of the Old Testament. Notice then, all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. Now notice, to exchange as coins for others of equivalent value, hence to reconcile those who are at variance, return to favor with, be reconciled to one, to receive one into favor. So whether or not you like it, at one time we was in God's favor. In his thoughts. Now notice then we were the ones who offended God. We were the ones that broke his commandments by sinning against him. And really the act of reconciliation should have started with man. Because man was the offender. But God knew that man actually fell. It took that out of him because man started covering up. As soon as he fell in the garden of Eden making his own way back to God. So instead of the offender starting the act or the work of reconciliation, it was the offended one who began began the work of reconciliation. Is that right? So God took the initiative and God so completed the program that there are people sitting right here tonight that are more secure in Christ Jesus than Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. Oh, 
praise God and how was this accomplished by Paul says by Jesus Christ so this is the agency or the channel by which God was able to make the reconciliation why because he had two natures listen now he was both divine and human he could speak part of the time it was Jesus which was the human part of the time it was Christ which was the father part of the time it was Jesus saying I can do nothing except what the father shows me and then it was other times the father showing him by vision and the father leading him there and yet it was the display both of these merged together and reflected in one human body now can you imagine this in your mind that he actually had by participation both natures in the same tabernacle he had the very divine nature of God but he also had the human nature but without inherent sin now remember he did not have the propensity of sin inside of his human nature it was a human nature friends but it did not have the desire of sin oh no he could be tempted by sin but he had no sin inside of him Notice Eli said this in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 25. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? So if a man sins against another, then they go before a judge. And the judge says, look, you trespassed your brother. You stole his chicken, his cows, his car, whatever more. You shouldn't have done that. We penalize you. But whenever people sin against God, who will go before the man and before God and entreat God on the behalf of the man? The man may say, God, I need to be forgiven. But there's nobody to go between him and God. And God left that breach. It's the missing piece from the Garden of Eden. You see, not only is there a missing link by Darwin trying to look up an archaeologist and science and going up, although they did find some fossils, you probably read it here just a few weeks ago, well, that they said that snakes did have legs because they found some fossils of them. Well, you know, eventually they'll turn up a stone or they'll dig up something or another and they go to believe in what we've been preaching for years and years and years. Aren't you glad you don't have to have a rock? You've already got one. I don't need a rock in Jerusalem. I got one in my soul. I don't need some kind of snake's leg drug out for me to believe the truth. I'm born of truth, so I automatically believe truth. But you see, there must be one who is intimately, uh, you know, intimately associated with both parties to rightly be able to understand and make the presentation of the judge and to be able to, by declaration, say that you've offended me because you've done this and you've done that and you've done that, but then turn right around on the other side and but say, what is my way back? Yes, I have sinned. I have done wrong. But how do I get back? How do I make reconciliation where God can say, you done wrong, this is my penalty, you're going to have to pay. And there was no one there, no angel, no daysman, nobody. But God said, I will come down myself. I will come down myself. I will create a special creation of a God-man. 
Now this mediator must be willing to suffer the wrath of both sides. The Lord Jesus had to suffer humiliation, shame, degradation, and all that of humanity. But he must also suffer the penalty of God. Is that right? So he must be willing to suffer on both sides. And how is God? God is the spirit. So God can't die. God is the spirit. God can't feel pain. But a God man can. Now go with me now. Be careful. But if you make the flesh God, then you still don't have a high priest which can feel the way you feel. So you must make the inside God and leave the outside the man, the boy. Here we go, some of you poor old Jesus only. Bless your hearts. Hallelujah. (laughs) You see, he must remove the obstacles on the part of the man in order that the divine can accept him back and be reconciled to fellowship. He must deliver the complaint of the divine to the man and tell the man, you've done this, you've done that, and the man heard it from the law. He heard it from the prophets. He heard it for hundreds of years. He said, I know I've got problems, but tell me what to do to fix them. Fix me. Fix me. Don't just preach to me where I'm wrong, but help me get right. Oh, any preacher can stand up and say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It takes a real God-called man when you are wrong to lead you back to reconciliation with God. We definitely got more who can do the former instead of doing the latter. Oh my, so on the part of God, he must bring, he must justly bring before the man, this is the debt you owe. This is the penalty which must be paid and justice must be exacted. And the man says, I can't pay that. The penalty's too severe. I, I can't pay it. So the daysman says, I can. So the daysman says too to the divine in himself, Father, not my will, but thine be done. So here the God man, the man Jesus, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He's not acting, friends. You see both sides. You see the human and the divine. The human did not want to die. The human did not want to suffer. But the Christ knew that he must. Not two gods, not three gods. One God manifested in a mysterious form. Called a God man. 
Now, the offenders must be brought back to a place to where they can not only be forgiven and just be forgiven over and over and over and they keep doing the same thing over and over again and that he makes some type of pain or chemistry and they keep on doing the same stuff really. They keep living the same way, doing the same old stuff and all he does is just keep painting, painting, painting. You're going to have 48,937,332 coats of paint on you time you get to the white throne. He don't want you to be painted. He wants you to be changed. The daysman, oh glory to God, the daysman came down and bore this in his body. Notice this, we read this last weekend, but the poor old devil went to the ER down in hell, I reckon. They had to pump him up with fluids and check his blood pressure and everything so I liked it so well I thought we'd send him back again tonight Jesus is the body the boy the man God was what dwelt in him this is the true identity of the daysman the God man You imagine him, he's wore out. He's preached. The people have pulled on him. He is so tired. He just goes in and lays down. And the, the sea is not, not bad, but for a person who's raised on it and likes it, I particularly don't care for it myself. Makes me sick as a dog to get on a boat and you go to doing this. I don't think of no cradle. I'm looking for a trash can. But Jesus was raised around there. So, you know, apparently it kinda, he, he kind of liked it. Brother Jim, and he got back there and, and the boat was just like a cradle, as it were. And in a few minutes, he'd gone to sleep. And on their journey, now the winds can come across the mountains there, the Galilean. And as they come down in there and get on the, on the lake and the water, oh my, it can become very, very rough very quick. I mean, all I saw but it can be very tumultuous. And all of a sudden, the wind come down. And we know it was more than a natural wind. It was a supernatural wind. Because them devils swore they would kill him. And the disciples, being professional boatmen, they tried everything. They, they waited and waited. They saw Brother Dow how tart he was. You imagine how they must have talked to themselves, among themselves, and tried to figure out who this guy was. He could walk on water. He could raise the dead and heal the sick. And turn around and around and cry and get hungry and thirsty just like them. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Laying in the back of the ship and they done everything they knew to do. And finally they come and shook him and shook him. And he was so wore out. They finally got him. He said, don't you even care? We're about to perish. Imagine getting up. What's the problem? What's the problem? So the boat is turning and tossing. Glory to God. I used to hear a song sing many, many years ago. And he was more than a man. So he walked along the shores of Galilee. He healed the sick 
And he raised the dead. And he set the captives free. And I used to wonder where that song come from. Until one day sitting in the radio room of this preacher, I took a red book down. And I opened it up in the radio room. And there my eyes got real big too. And I found out where this song come from soon. Oh yeah, Pentecost love to glean out of the prophet's message. That's what some of these guys want to do right now. They want to glean out of the message here and separate the message from the messenger. Not me, friend. Not me. I'm not ashamed of the prophet of God. I'm not ashamed. Oh, we don't need it. Well, you may not. I do. I still need this word to get me out of here. Walking up as a man, Peter and them guys looking around, their eyes as big as saucers. Kick in. What do we got to do? What, what happens? <sighs> Lead me. Which, which way is it? Lead me to the bow of the ship. Brother Branham said, I can see him as he stands there as a man rubbing his eyes. Well, he pulled his little shoulders back. As a man, he was asleep in the back of the ship. But as God, he spoke to the winds. And they knew their master's voice. (laughs) As a man, he woke up. As a man, he was wore out. As a man, he was tired. But as God, he said, peace. Peace too. In the ways of yes sir whatever you say sir because you demand you demand so we do whatever you said they say how did you do that it was Jesus rubbing his eyes and yawning but it was Christ that said peace I hope you all understand this ain't going to stop with the man Christ Jesus. If you let the revelation come on down, that same revelation will unfold itself into you. That it may be you in the storm of your life when you roll your eyes and rub them and get up scared. But if you'll let Father, if you'll let Christ speak out of you. He was a God man. He was a man, yet he was God manifested in flesh. When we see Jesus, we see God. That's what he said. When you see the Father, you see me or you see the Father because he was the reflection because he was the Word, amen, that was in the beginning, amen. And I say amen to the amen. Now let's bring this again from the masterpiece. The perfect image. So the bridegroom age started out with the perfect image. The God man. 
So the bride age ending out in the last day, the final cycle, the very last sliver of time of the Laodicean age ending out with the bride age, you'll wonder what it'll be. The God man. The man Christ in his bride. Notice the perfect image of God man. God in immorphe had changed from supernatural to the vision. And the vision was projected into the image and the image was smitten so the supernatural could taste the feeling of death. So the daysman must allow his flesh to be used by the spirit to feel pain and anguish. But if you make his flesh God with eternal life, he cannot suffer. He cannot feel pain. He cannot die. He could not do it in Moses. He could not do it in the prophets. Isaiah who was sawed in souls till he was sawed to pieces. He could not do it in the prophets that were stoned. He could not do it because he couldn't feel it. There was just a portion of him. But in this perfect masterpiece, he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He could not only project, project, project. Now get it in your mind now. If we'll take Moses and we'll take the screen, this screen right here. And we'll say Adam and Eve and the lambs and the scapegoats. Each one of them was a portion of the screen. But we'll lace it all together with a little bitty tiny seams. We'll take from the Old Testament plumb down to the closing of Malachi. And we try to look at the Old Testament. And we've got a little piece of an image and another piece of an image and another piece of an image. But they're all sewed together and they're prophecies put together. But they're not seamless. Oh, hallelujah. And we're trying to understand them. I mean, look at them and we can't comprehend them because of the seams of humanity and the flaws and the only abrupt sayings of God. And it don't make any sense. Till all of a sudden, he said, Lo, I come in the volume of the screen. Though the prophecy of Genesis 3.15 links together with Deuteronomy 4, with Deuteronomy 4.35, the Deuteronomy 6.4, with Isaiah 35.3, Zechariah 6.12, Malachi 3, all them scriptures, now they seamlessly blend together and harmonize and you remove the seams and the stitches which makes it look so vague and you see the perfect image. Then what can you do? Project the words from another sphere. Now you don't see it of course, you see the benefit up here, but these brothers back here are following me in the back. They've got my notes, and as I go to move, that's why I'll tell them, go on down a little bit, Brother Daniel, go on over a little bit, Brother Brad, whoever's back there, and they follow my command. Because I have the original word right here. And they're not to tell me how to preach it. So it's not up to us to tell God how to save us. It's up to us to listen to what he's got to say about how to be saved. So then when the image is projected, what do you see? 
the Word made manifest on a screen. Now, can you imagine trying to read this if the H-E up here at the top was one little section of screen and then it was tied together and then it would come over to C-O-U and then that C-O-U had another little lace of a seam and then the L-D and then all over the I, I don't understand it. I, I can't read it. I, I can't figure it out. That's the way it is without the Holy Ghost. But you see, once you get the Holy Ghost, He removes all them traditional seams and stitches. Amen. Where you're able to look at and you say I see it, I see it, I see it others look at it and say I don't know what you're talking about, I don't know what you're talking about but God has corrected your vision, God has corrected your vision and tore tradition out to where you can see the God man I'm going to go ahead and say it I don't want to just see the God-man in Jesus. I want to look on that door at the house in the city and see the full-length mirror. <laughs> Hallelujah. I heard him talk about that today, the little boy, remember? He said, I've seen my mama many a time with that piece of mirror tucked out on the tree. Remember, Brother Ben, I'm talking about the quote to you on Sunday. And he said, but the little boy went up to his auntie's house or grandma's house. And whenever he looked in, that was another little boy. And he wanted to make friends of that little boy. That's the way I've done with me. Hi, hi, hi there. Hi. It took me a long time to realize, hey, I'm waving at myself. Because I'm looking at an image of what a son of God will be. And I'm reading in the way. I'm saying, wow, man, wouldn't that be something? Look at that. Look at that. Look at, the, look at what an image of a son of God will be. Wow, look at that. I didn't realize that's pointing to me. When are you going to wake up and realize you've been looking at yourself? You've been looking by your eyes of desire and looking in the word and saying, yes, that's what I want to be. Yes, that's what I want to be. If God can open our eyes, then we can quit saying, yes, that's what I want to be. But daddy, that's me. But if you're trying to look at yourself through a little tiny mirror, tacked on Calvary's tree. Oh, oh, oh. Walk in front of the door. The prophet said it had a full length mirror on the back of the door. So full length you can see the whole image. Notice this, paragraph 82. Now, in order for this to speak, he is the word. And for the word to speak, he must come into the image. Then for the image to speak, it's got to be smitten. But if it had been God, God, the fullness of God inside, and the body, the flesh, was also God, you can't smite God. But you can smite a son. Or in other words, the humanity of God. Now it's not another person. It's actually the same one in an actor's garment. Notice the lettuce in church age, Spirit of God. He came down and created in the Virgin Mary the self from which the body was born. 
I want to repeat that. He created the very cells in the womb of Mary for that body. It was not enough for the Holy Spirit to simply give life to human ovum supplied by Mary. That would have been sinful mankind producing a body that would not have produced the last Adam. Of him it was said, Lo, a body hast thou, Father. Notice, Jesus did not say, I prepared my own body. This is why Brother Branham said he could not have been his own father. But lo, thou hast father prepared for me, God, not Mary, provided that body. Mary was the human incubator. And she carried that holy child and brought him to birth. It was a God man. He was the son of God. He was of the new creation. Somebody come and hold my mules. Man and God met and joined. Oh, glory to God. He was the first of this new race. He is the head of this new race. What new race? God, people. Deity on the inside, human on the outside. Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Hey friends, this is the title of our sermon, part number 86, the church. It ain't a body you join to. It ain't something that you join and talk about your business and drink black coffee and donuts in the basement. It's becoming a new creature in Christ Jesus. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He goes on to say that you can see that though man was of the old order or creation, now in union with Christ, he has become the new creation of God. Oh, if I could just quit drinking, if I could quit smoking, get the Holy Ghost. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Ephesians 4.24, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This creation is not the old creation made over, or it could not be called new creation. That is exactly what it says, new creation. But what the amazing thing about it is, it's a new creation in the same old temple. Well, see, the old temple then just keeps right on sinning? Oh, no. He was the head of the new race. As the head of the new race, he brought the humanity subject to the divinity on the inside. You and I can do exactly the same thing. Notice now how God is going to meet the penalty of his own justice of his law in the embodiment of the mediator. Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life of Christ Jesus that made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God texting, faxing, emailing, Instagram, whatever you want to call it, God sending. When God sent his own son to the world, 
There was not a young man in heaven. He never had a permanent body till he come to the earth. What God sent was his logos. Now, for those of you who think that he was this young man in heaven, and him and the old man had a conference up there, and you know, old man talked to him and said, What do you think, boy? You think he does that? I believe I can do her, Daddy. I can go down. I really don't want to, but there ain't nobody else can do it. Well, I'll tell you what, I believe you can do it. I believe you ought to go. No, the eternal sent his word. And he created this word, and it took on what you say, Brother Donnie. What was he? Was he God or was he man? He was both. Well, what was he when he was born? Well, he was the word made flesh. But the word was a seed which needed to be quickened by the fullness of the Holy Ghost which came at the river. He was the fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14 when he was born. But the attribute of the fullness of the Godhead bodily came down, hallelujah, at the incarnation at the river. When he became the God-man. God sending his own logos. And the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin. Condemn sin. Where? Not in the spirit. Not in the soul. Not in heaven. But in the flesh. So God sent his own logos. Word. Into humanity. His own humanity. Son. In the likeness, the Bible says, not in sinful flesh. But with a human body that had such physical makeup and appearance that people would have took him for an ordinary man unless they saw the other side. But without sin nature. Glory to God. Oh my goodness. Listen to this. Without sin nature. You see, Adam fell in the Garden of Eden without sin nature. Now think of it. Sin nature that was inherited by every mortal came after Adam fell. He was not created with sin nature. This is why the Lord Jesus could come on the earth and reverse the plan in order to reconcile us back to God and be just without sin nature. The first man fell without it. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. How did he do it? By choice. Somebody hang something over that clock out yonder. <laughs> oh my, we're, we're in too good a spot right here to stop. Without sin nature, he took these temptations into himself without sin nature. Notice Paul said, then God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh condemned sin. Why? The flesh was deceit or the origin 
by which Satan sowed his doubt. Where? The flesh. Not the man of Genesis 1.26. But the man of Genesis 2.7. The woman. You see, the woman was deceived. She did not know what she was doing. But Adam did. Adam was not deceived. The woman being deceived was the time of the transgression, right? Is that the Bible? So the second Adam must take sin in the exact same place that the first Adam lost it. Sin must come into the flesh of the second Adam. But yet he never sinned. He never done one thing wrong. Never said one thing wrong. You got that puzzle look on your face. It's easy. The divine will make the boy, the man, the daysman. He will make him to become sin. He will lay our sins on the head of our scapegoat. Then he will take his righteousness and put it back on us. If he wants to transfer his righteousness to me, I'll take it. (laughs) So God must destroy sin on its own ground, which is what? flesh he must condemn sin in the flesh and he can't do it in Moses he lost his temper can't do it in David he killed a man committed adultery he can't do it in none of the prophets so God makes another Adam and like the first one he don't have sin nature But this one is packing within him, Zoe. I'm trying to behave myself, but from this point on, I'm not responsible for my actions. He must bring this sin to sin's own ground. Fine. You want to claim my people in their humanity? I will meet you sin, not in heaven, not in paradise. I will meet you in flesh myself. And I'm giving you a heads up. I will destroy you. (laughs) So the flesh was what sin had the mastery over. Friends, it still does people today who aren't born again. Even people in our ranks who struggle and they get up and fall down and get up and fall down and get up and fall down. They're in and out and in and out. Come to where Jesus is king of your life. Then it will cause sin to surrender its kingly mastery over your life. 
Don't you understand the bride? The Holy Ghost filled bride is a continuation of the work of Jesus. Don't you understand every day you live in this life? What do you want you to do? We're not going to go down there and march in front of Walmart. We're not going to pick at all the X-ray movies and R-rated movies and go pick at all the smoking factories and alcohol things where I want to conquer sin every day. Oh, I'm going to go out there and do this and that and that. Some of you want to go out there and win others when you've not even got converted yourself. Yourself is not even brought under the mastery of the king. So he will condemn the sin of men and take that sin into his own body. And the deity side will condemn, condemn the human side. And the deity will turn its back on the human. And the human will die because the deity can't. Now think of it. Jesus had human nature without It's corruptions. Take a good look at Jesus Christ. Read the four Gospels. And you'll see what you should have been had Eve been your mother. His human nature was preserved and protected from indwelling sin. But he can allow external temptations to come against him. His eyes, his feelings, his emotions. And the way the divine saw it, it would be equivalent to being born that way. What a program. few weeks ago when I got sick and I couldn't go to church and I couldn't this and that and the other and I, I was texting her and Harry's texting about it. he said dumb devil remember I told you that uh-huh, dumb devil this is where this study come out of that time frame you see it's human nature was divinely protected amen by the dividing line of the almighty that would not let him be born with the propensities of indwelling sin. But let him feel it from the outside. But it would be the same thing as if though he was born like you. Galatians 3.13 Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made, being made, notice now, being made a curse for us. 
For it is written, Curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. So God, the Spirit, the deity, punished his own humanity, not another person. This is God's own humanity. So the deity, the Father, leaves him in the garden. And then the Father punishes his own humanity. His own humanity. You say, how can that be possible? Well, how can it be possible when your soul, which is the real you, leaves your body, and when you leave your body, you cause your body to set in the cycle of corruption. Because you, the life, the Spirit of God, leaves this house. So it ain't this body that's keeping itself alive. It's your soul. As long as your soul is there, your body will live. And when it comes time for your soul to go, your body will corrupt and rot and decay. But does your soul's nose fall in? Does your soul's hand fall off? You left your humanity. And when you leave your humanity, there's only one thing that can happen to that humanity. It must decay and rot. And his would have, had not the promise said, there'll not be one bone broken, and neither will I allow his soul to be in hell, nor one cell to corrupt. Notice this, Isaiah 53, 6. Oh, glory. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Notice this, I read it Sunday, let me read it again. Jesus did not do anything while he was here on earth in the way of performing signs and wonders until he saw the Father show him a vision on what to do. Chase back down the Bible of the prophets and find if it wasn't the same thing. We have had the wrong slant. Even the flesh of Jesus Christ could not glory in the presence of God. I see some of you still struggling with that. You couldn't get an amen out, could you? Well, we may have to preach it again this weekend then. And next Wednesday, and next weekend, and next Wednesday, and next weekend. I mean, how how long y'all want this to go? 20, 35? It's up to you all. He loves you, and you are going to get it. Because he said, it's not me that doeth the works, it's my Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the worst. Notice, identified Christ. Notice God. Jesus said, those whom the word of God come to, they were gods, they were prophets. No more than the man himself was God. No more than the body. Go ahead and drag out your handkerchief, you Jesus homies. Go ahead. Go ahead. No more than the body of Jesus Christ was God. He was a man. 
okay, do I need to print this out and give all of you all a copy? Then will you start saying amen or will you still look at me bug-eyed? Friends, don't you see why the body could not be God? It would be a God-God. It had to be a God-man. A daysman which could spread the gap. Amen. <laughs> he was a man and God was veiled behind him. First Peter said, let me see if I can find a place to close. 2.23, who and when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. What do we have? We have the second Adam on the earth without sin nature fixing to become sin by His will. If Almighty God lays on this special human creation to become sin and He does it against the Lamb's will, you are lost tonight. But he'll make this special creation of a human. And this human he'll fill with deity. And this human will say, I will. Notice verse 24. Who his own self bear our sins where? In his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. This would not have been possible had the flesh been God. Eternal life, Zoe. They could have hit him, beat him, smacked him, whipped him. He would have never died. But he was a God man. 2 Corinthians 5.20 and we'll try to close. I didn't say I'm closing. I just said I'm trying. I'm trying hard. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. You understand that's what's happening to you? God is using his men to beseech you by him. God is using his men to beseech you, not just to get saved, but be reconciled to the mirror. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be now you see these two words would lead you to believe they mean the same thing because the translators use the same English word but notice the first made the Greek word here which means to produce or construct to make a thing 
out of something. So God took our sin and made Christ a curse out of what? Our sins. That's the first made. Made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made. Genomehi. Come to pass. Oh God. Come to pass. Become. Be fulfilled. Don't you understand? You are prophecy that is still coming to pass. Jesus was made this once, Brother Darrell, and that's it. But you are still unfolding. You are still coming to pass. Your new body is the righteousness of God still unfolding unto eternity. Let's stand. Notice this in demonology, if I could think of how that Jesus, when he died, he went and preached to the souls that were in prison. He died a sinner. Knowing no sin, yet our sin was on him. And God, for his sins, sent him to hell. How could he do it? Second Adam. No sin nature. But he chose it. He chose to become you. Friends, Jesus Christ. Now I know I know it's gonna stagger, you're gonna think about it, think about it, think about it. But Jesus Christ did not die pure. He did not die the death of a righteous man. He died the death of a sinner. The most horrible death. There's never been another that died this death. He received not, not, not only a handful of people's sins, but God laid on him the iniquity of us all. Can you imagine all the sins of his people? Some of his people were homosexuals. Some of his people were lesbians. Some of them were drunks and liars and whoremongers. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus, Brother Dave, with all of that sin? He died the horrible death of a sinner out of the presence of God. He died a sinner knowing no sin. Yet our sin was on him and God for his sins sent him to hell. Adam by his will chose to go out with Eve. I've got to read you these two more. Give me a few more minutes. I want you to know this. This is in Phoenix, February the 23rd. 
1955. Now, something really unusual happens right here. Brother Ramos said, let me skip down here and read. The next night, he preaches water from the rock. And he said, last evening, it was a little difficult for me. Something happened that I very seldom have happened in a meeting. I was just getting ready to sing the visions begin to break over the people. And as I started to move into the vision, something happened before me. We talked about it until I tried, got to myself good until 1 o'clock this morning. I saw Adam leave the Garden of Eden. I saw Adam leave the Garden of Eden willfully because he went out because he loved his wife. And I seen Jesus come and go out willfully taking the sinner's place because he loved the church and I just couldn't keep from expressing it. Now, Notice then, we go back the night before when some of this is unfolding. He said, yonder I, I, I see Adam and Eve. Then first little sweetheart there in the Garden of Eden. I see Adam. Back there when he put his arms. You have probably wondered why I did how. And we say, oh, he just dramatized. Really? I wonder how much of this so-called drama and all this stuff. Oh, you can't pay no attention to what he said. We might ought to be careful. Amen. He might be preaching from a vision that's passing. Can you imagine a prophet of God being allowed to see Adam? I see Adam back there when he put his arms around his little sweetheart to walk out with her for God had condemned them. And he started out with his arms around his darling. Adam was not deceived. He didn't have to walk out, but he walked out because he loved his wife. He walked out with both eyes wide open. No matter, glory to God, if she had to go to torment, he'd go with her. When God looked down and seen that love of a human being, it was so great. He couldn't stand it. Himself. That's right. He said, I'll come and go too. Why didn't God stay in the Garden of Eden? It was a beautiful place. Because he didn't want to be in paradise alone. Brother Bam goes down on that next sermon. Now he said, I saw Adam leave the Garden of Eden willfully because he went out because he loved his wife. I seen Jesus come and go out willfully taking the sinner's place because he loved the church. Adam walked out not because of sin nature, but he said, God, if you send her to hell, you're going to have to send me with her. Because I love her. Then the vision changes and Brother Branham sees Jesus. I just can't already keep from believing that he didn't see Jesus and the bride together. I see Jesus go out with his bride. This is why Jesus then goes to hell 
and dies the death of a sinner. He willingly, Adam was thrown out. His transgression was what? His transgression, Brother Joel, was what? Choosing to be identified with his wife's sin. And Jesus did what? He chose to be identified with your sin. With my sin. Notice this, this next quote, the position of a believer. Eve actually thought she was right, but Satan deceived her. Excuse me for doing that. But it was wrong because of his love for his wife. He represented himself with sin and was condemned by the same and cast out of the Garden of Eden. Christ represented himself with the church full of sin. And was condemned. And his soul went to hell. That's right. God raised him up on the third day. You believe that? See, it wasn't that he didn't sin. He did sin. But you say, how brother daughter? His will. You see? His will. He chose to take all this. He must do it willingly. The deity cannot make him. So the humanity says, I'll take it. I'll go out with her. I love her so much. I don't want to be in heaven alone. I don't want to be in heaven without her. I choose. I decide. Send me to hell in her place. So here he is. He understands. He's thinking like God. He understands the justice, the penalty. As a man, he said, Oh, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. And the divinity says, This penalty must be met. He said, I will. I will. And when the humanity surrenders, the deity. Father, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? God wouldn't have sent him to hell pure. He had to send him to hell condemned. Because he took our sins. And Christ died. I know friends this is hard on you. It's hard on me. Christ died. Not righteous. Christ died. A sinner. But he did that so you don't have to. If you die the death of a sinner, it's because you choose to. He chose to, Brother Phil, so I'd never have to face the horrible death of a sinner. Christ never sinned himself, but he took our sins on him. 
I've got to read one more so I don't leave you hanging too bad. What was his last cry? Eli, Eli, my God, my God. That was a man. Why hast thou forsaken me? In the garden of Gethsemane, the anointing left him. He had to die as a sinner. He died a sinner. You know that. Not his sins, but mine and yours. That's where that love came in. How he took mine. Oh, hallelujah. How he took mine. Forsaken all. He gave up his sonship between him and the Father to be made sin for us. Did you know that? He know no sin. Became sin for us. Our sins was placed on him. He gave up the sonship to become sin. Now he can make sinners sons. But he couldn't do both. He could be both. But he couldn't do both. He had to let go of the divine in order to make you divine. (laughs) He had to become a sinner to make sinners sons. Can't you see when people turn this down, they will justly get their reprimand and they will be sentenced to a lake of fire and I say justly so. We were born lost. But He chose to be lost. It was only for a season. But He felt the most lost that any person could ever feel. When he gave up his sonship to become sin. Praise God. Forgive me, friends. This has wore me out tonight. I don't know how to explain to you how this... How this weighs on me. have to bring this to you I love him so much it hurts my heart I know he wants us to see it but it still hurts my heart to see him brought so low then this is why I will die I will fight I will stand for him to raise him as high as I can raise him all of my life I will defend him. I will defend his name, his truth. I have seen where he's gone. I refuse to let his name be brought in reproach. Oh, I can't stop it. But I will let people know there is a living God. A resurrected Christ. Who is the same yesterday, today. I'm close and sure enough. Romans 5.10 For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled, which is the same word, one coin of one value traded for other coins, plural, of the same value, except it was sowed a coin and reaped coins. Except a corn of wheat is sowed. So one coin was sold of the deity of God. And he bought many deity coins back. We 
were enemies when we were reconciled to God by the death of His humanity or His Son. Much more being reconciled. We shall be sozo, saved. Which is not just forgiven, but saved to the uttermost. Saved soul, spirit, and body by His own Zoe. And once we are reconciled, we are saved. The elect are so saved into His presence, they become His personal Zoe life. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, I, I know my words are so feeble. How can thank you cover it? How can I appreciate it? How could I ever be able to express it? How can us poor mortals just framing the words, I love you and I appreciate you and I thank you for doing it. How could that ever express how we truly feel for me to be a sinner for these people to be a sinner that's so hard to comprehend for you for you to die impure a sinner a sinner's death I've stood near sinners when they've died I've seen some of the horrible ways they leave this world. I've stood by many saints and watched them take their breath. Maybe me be the last person they'd speak their last mortal words to and watch them cross over without fear, without condemnation. And that was made possible because in your deaths, you shook, you quivered. You feared. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, open our eyes tonight to see you did not pay that price in vain. You want us to be able to look on the door and see the full-length mirror to see what you've called us to be. Hallelujah. You were made our sin, but that happened once, and that's it. But right here tonight in this service, we have come to pass in a greater understanding. Praise God of your word. It's unfolded more clearly right here tonight. Until in the rapture of the resurrection, we'll continue to unfold into our new body that we have been made so complete the righteousness of God that our bodies will be changed like unto yours. Praise God. Lord, if there's one here tonight that's not ready to meet you, one that's streamed the service, 
Maybe there's some that they love you, but Lord, they're not truly, truly filled with the Holy Ghost. Help them, Lord. Help them to see believing the message is good. Coming to church is good. But they must have your life. Hallelujah. It's your life that drives back the pangs of death. It's your life, Lord Jesus, that drives back the kingly power of sin in the flesh. Oh, we'll always battle that enemy of sin, but he's no longer king. That's why the scripture tells us, let not sin, therefore, hallelujah, have dominion in your mortal bodies. And the word dominion is a king, a thronely domain of a dominant king. Hallelujah. Oh, he'll fight and he'll carry on every day of our life. But every day he fights, we fight against him. Until the ultimate change comes. And we come to pass. Glory to God. When John said, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And our own glorious body shall be fashioned like unto his body. That human body that bore our sin was raised on the third day. Because the Father spoke out of the humanity and said, destroy this temple. And in three days I'll raise it up. Praise God. The Father can speak out of our body and say, Satan, afflict me. God will make me well. Satan, challenge me. God will raise me up. Satan, get me down if you want. Whatever you want to do. But my God will lift a standard against you. Our humanity will be weak and cry why and we don't understand. But Christ inside of us says, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Praise God. Because we are the continuation of this new race. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You love Him, saints. With all your heart. You believe Him. Oh, don't it make you appreciate Him so much. So much for what He paid. The supreme sacrifice. Hallelujah. Amen. By His desire, the human nature choosing that, the second Adam, without propensity of sin, without indwelling sin nature, by that choice, I will do it. Praise God. Then the deity lays all the sin upon the humanity. And the humanity goes to the cross. Supernatural projected into the vision. The vision then projected into the image. And while the image is here upon the earth, the supernatural in the image can feel the pain, feel the anguish, feel the sorrow. But the supernatural cannot die, so the supernatural vacates the tabernacle. Ichabod is written over the door of the humanity. The glory has departed. Praise God. You imagine Peter standing there that day and said, You Jews, you've crucified him. You've done this and that and the other. He said, But take note. This same Jesus 
God hath made both Lord and Christ. This same Jesus, Sonship, God hath made both Father and Holy Ghost. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Glory be to God. Oh yeah, the prophet mentioned that back there in the 1950s. He's talking about not three gods, but the very same God. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Revealed in three attributes. He said, stick that in the devil's ribs and make him squeal like a pig. Don't you love that Harvard vernacular? Stick that in the devil's ribs and let him squeal like a pig. Hallelujah. Not three gods. The same God manifesting. Let me bring it on down. That same God is right here tonight. Oh, we're getting ready to talk about Christmas and all this and that and the other. We're not worshiping God in a manger. We are worshiping this very night. God right inside this place. God, amen. Right here is a 2019 manger scene, my brother, sister. It's not a little baby laying in a bed of straw. It's deity living in men and women. Praise God. Praise be to God. Oh, we worship you, Lord Jesus. Sing something for us. Hey, if you don't shut me up, I'm going to go half the night. Brother Darrell, come pray for us, buddy. God bless you, saints. I love you. Is it coming clearer? Praise the Lord.
you know why he had to go down so low? Because that's where he found me. If he hadn't went that low, he would have never found me. But he said, I'll not lose a one. All that my Father hath given me will come, and no man will pluck them out of my hand. Hallelujah. 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 says, as long as we fuss and fight among ourselves, we still walk as men. But there's another way God desires for us to walk. Not as men, but as God-man on the earth. It's His desire for us tonight, friends. This is the image. The same word speaks for the groom, speaks also for the bride. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. I know you enjoyed the service tonight. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this evening. Lord, as, as Brother Donnie said, thank you. It seems so inadequate, Lord. Lord, it's the only way I know how to express it. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us, Lord. That you opened our eyes. That we could see these things, Lord. These great mysteries. It was in your mind, Lord. But in this age, this generation, you have emptied your mind out to us to whisper these love secrets. To let us know, Lord, who we are. To see ourselves in the full image of the mirror. To be able to say, it's me. It's me. Because a word mirror we always reveals a word image. Thank you for that, Lord. We pray you go with your people now, Father. Lord, as we think about these things, Lord, may they not depart from our hearts or our souls, Lord, but may we meditate upon these things, Lord. May we yield to these truths, dear God, that it becomes the preeminence in our lives, we pray. Lord, we ask you to just touch Brother Brother Donnie's body, Lord, give him strength, raise him up, Father. Lord, the sick that are among us, Lord, may we see tonight, Lord, that the stripes upon your back was for our healing. Lord, we just lay the sickness down, Lord, and just walk away. Thanking you for what you've done for us tonight. Go with each one now, Lord, protect them on the road. and Keep us, Lord, in your will until we return again this weekend. Thank you, Lord, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I bless you, saints. You're dismissed and fear the Lord. Is this, is the word real? Is this, praise God. I don't want to go home. Get in his presence. You never want to leave. But may you go in the fear of the Lord. God bless you richly. Amen. 
I just want to thank you, Lord, for every time you heard my prayer. I just want to thank you for always being there. For when I was so down and out, you came along, made me want to shout. I just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. God bless you, saints. You're dismissed the fear of the Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for every time you heard my prayer. I just want to thank you for always being there. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If I had a thousand lives to live, I'd live them all for my Lord. He's been so good to that is the least I could afford. He's made good times outnumber the bad. He's been best friend. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I just want to thank I just want to thank you for always being there. When I was so down and out, you came along. You made me want to shout. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you. If I had a thousand lives to live, I'd live them all for my Lord. He's been so good to me. That is the least I could afford. He's made good times, number the bad. He's been the best friend. So boys ever had that I've ever had, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the revelation, Lord. Thank you for sending us Elijah, God. Thank you for opening our eyes, Lord. Thank you for the end time message, dear God. 
Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for your healing virtue, for your mercy, your grace, your kindness, your long-suffering, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for always being there. For you said, I'll never leave thee, nor will I forsake thee. Thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word, for your promises are true. Thank you for your mercies, for they are renewed every morning. How we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the blessings that you've given us, God, as your people, Lord. Oh, let the critics rail, Lord. Lord, let, the, let them say, let them do what they want to do, Lord. We're so thankful tonight to be under the wings of the Almighty God, sheltered up under the eagle's wings tonight, Lord, to feel your warmth, to feel your breath, to hear your heartbeat, Lord. How we thank you for it tonight, Father. Oh, God, when man makes his mom shelters out of concrete and rebar. Oh, Heavenly Father, you've made your shelter out of the eagle's wings, Lord, as you gather us unto you, Lord, even as you said you would do, Father. Oh, you've kept every promise of your word, Lord. You've kept every promise, Father, everything you said you would do, Lord. You've not forgot a promise. Oh, the ever-remembering God remembers every promise of his word. How we thank you for it tonight, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 